welcome the fiends to handle with scare presented by the slashing cast podcast network we are a show discussing horror movies and the phobias that they emphasize with me tonight as always are my co-hosts holly hooch and john so guys here we are uh we just kicked off aquaphobia uh just a couple of days ago after a slight uh delay with our release all in all but just as a reminder we have a two-month phobia uh for the first time and uh you know, this is this is quite literally a deep dive in this case, uh, both in Zenin, but just also in longevity, uh, since we haven't done this quite as of yet. Uh, so I am your host, Emily Drunk, and, you know, tonight we have John's selection for uh, for Aquaphobia. So, John, why don't you go ahead and quickly introduce what we'll be talking about, and uh, we'll, we'll get underway pretty shortly. So, Underwater was my pick, and I picked it because... I had seen it a while ago and really liked it and wanted to watch it again. And it went with the theme. So I had to pick it again mm-hmm. and for rewatching. And it's a movie where Kristen Stewart works in a sort of underground or underwater drilling facility. And they have an accident and starts flooding and they have to survive. And then there's a monster element that we'll get to <laughs> that starts to come into play and uh and yeah and so i also wanted to pick it because it's you know as horror fans we know that there's a ton of horror movies especially now coming out all the time and yet most of them are pretty bad and not mm-hmm. really rewatchable right. but this is one of the in the top percentile of legitimately good horror movies that have come out in the last several years. And I feel like it definitely flew under the radar because of the pandemic and everything. I know uh, you were meant not to steal your info, which I wasn't aware of that it was made in 2017. But I, it has a 2020 release date, which is also bad. I mean, they delayed it from 2017, but then they picked the wrong year to actually put it out because yeah. the pandemic pretty then, much wiped it out. And did it come out like in what's that worst month? Like January. Uh, it was January that it came out. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, in in uh, one thing that everybody talks about was it was uh, that merger that occurred that uh, basically shelved the movie back in 2017, and so it got released in 2020, which makes a lot of sense because I remember thinking. Didn't T.J. Miller get canceled? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, it was made in 2017. So that made a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> T.J. Miller playing his T.J. Miller character that he plays in every movie that he's in, <laughs> basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Cloverfield or, uh, you know, D- Deadpool, of course. And but, uh, the TV show. Yeah, yeah. I can't. What? Uh, Silicon Valley. No, Silicon, Silicon Valley. Valley. Silicon Valley. Yeah, I couldn't right. believe it. I, I forgot the, uh, the name of that show. I actually watched that show. Really. <laughs> I finished it too. The ending was a little anticlimactic, but whatever. What are you gonna do? So we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about underwater. Yeah, so uh, just a couple of general podcast reminders. Uh, as you know, we've been doing watch parties on Stream Lounge every Thursday. Uh, that has been Thursdays at 9.30 p.m. Pacific time. And uh, tomorrow we'll be watching Frankenhooker 
uh, via Stream Lounge. And I've also been kind of like doing double features on Mondays as well. I know some people say, you know, 9.30 Pacific time, a little bit too late. I would have also been doing double features on Mondays on Stream Lounge starting at the 6 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, so you can find like our full schedule up on Stream Lounge on that end. Uh, and of course, you know, we, we kickstarted Aquaphobia last week with our original versus remake discussion for Piranha. And, uh, you know, we're basically going from creatures to underwater monsters, uh, with tonight's. And uh, I'm looking forward to next week, too, because it's been quite some time since I've actually sat down to watch what Holly has in store for us next week. But let's talk about underwater. Uh, so looking at the cast, we have, uh, Kristen Stewart, who plays Nora Price, uh, we have Vincent Castle, who plays Captain Lucian. Uh, the aforementioned T.J. Miller, who had been canceled since this point, uh, plays Paul Abel. Uh, you also have Jessica uh, Herwick, or Henwick as uh, Emily. She's probably most notably known recently from, like, uh, Iron Fist. You know, one of the many Netflix Marvel series. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, she plays the uh, biologist. In yeah, the movie, yeah. uh, you also have John Gallagher Jr. as Liam Smith, and uh, you know you got a couple other characters in there who uh, don't really survive all that long, like Rodrigo uh, in this case. But anyways, let's let's set the stage. So as John had mentioned, uh, basically underwater is set in like this underwater city, and obviously it's eleven thousand meters under the sea in the depths of the Mariana Trench. Uh, and, you know, it follows this crew of this deep sea drill as they are dealing with the fallout of this ca ca catastrophe that happens, which is basically an earthquake that destroys the integrity of, you know, the walls of the drill that they're on. Uh, and they're basically trying to, uh, you know, fight for survival in this case. Uh, so basically what ends up happening is, you know, they're basically trying to like resurface throughout the majority of this movie. But of course, things go awry fairly early on in the movie uh, as they encounter like these human looking like fish creatures uh, that seem to be uh, a little bit thirsty for violence. And of course, why wouldn't they? So, you know, we, we have this theory in the movie about like, OK, well, like what exactly happened? Uh, Liam says that basically like the shift in the ocean floor basically opened up a bridge between like two ecosystems uh one of which was home to you know these predators that we see Guru. Uh -huh. <laughs> similar to piranha double d of course <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know you have emily who was the research assistant who was brought on to like study uh marine life you know explains you know like uh yeah you know that earthquake that uh, happened yeah that was that was entirely us yeah, so that's a that's a feels bad, bad. So, you know, it's kind of like they're at fault for everything that's going on in this. But of course, you know, you have like the big corporation who's like trying to deny everything when all is said and done, like most any like big corp would do. Uh, but basically what ensues, I, I guess, essentially can just be seen as the ocean taken back. <laughs> and there's like a lot of damage that goes on throughout the course of this movie. But at its core... This is a monster movie. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are there are quite a few parallels to this movie and Alien. Yeah, which is fantastic. And I'm sure that's one of the one of the things that a lot of horror fans are going to uh, appreciate. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen any of like the 
uh, concept art, John, that they had kind of like been doing up for this. Uh, but, you know, initially, this movie didn't uh, factor in the behemoth that we see towards the end of the movie. <laughs> so there's been a lot of discussion amongst the community about whether they kind of just like sprinkled that in uh, or whether or not this movie was secretly just a Lovecraftian love story uh, at its core. Well, so it's interesting. Well, it's funny you say that because the first time I watched this movie, I didn't know anything about it. I just heard about mm -hmm. Underwater Kristen Stewart. So I watched it knowing nothing. And, you know, it's a standard kind of action underwater story. And then... It starts adding in the, the creatures, as you said, the, the smaller humanoid creatures. And I, I still wasn't really making the connection. And it wasn't until the very end of the movie on my first watching, not to jump ahead just to summarize, but uh, that, you know, in spoilers, that it's, I was like, wait, is this Cthulhu? And then as they showed it more and the, and the action scene and action scene proceeded, I was like, okay, that is definitely Cthulhu. And that's pretty great. And I started thinking about it. And then that's why I wanted to rewatch it, because it's one of those stories where it's kind of like the twist ending mm -hmm. sort of changes things. And it was a good movie anyways, but I mm -hmm. wanted to kind of rewatch it knowing, you know, is this literally a Cthulhu story? I had the same exact thought myself when I watched it was, did they just sort of tack on Cthulhu for fun, or is this literally oh God, meant to like be story, yeah. like a, a tr like an ode to Cthulhu and take place sort of in the Cthulhu mythos? And not, not to like, well, I don't know. We we obviously have time to talk about stuff, but uh, so rewatching it, I my determination is yes. I'm a huge fan of Lovecraft, and I've read a ton of his stuff. And I think this is actually meant to be a Cthulhu movie. It might have been applied sort of after the fact, but there's enough references and sort of little Easter eggs early in the movie that confirmed it on the second watch that like, oh yeah, this is. Because like, it's very quick, but in some of those underwater monster shots, it, it's really dark and there's the silt kind of floating around everywhere, but there are shots where you can see like sort of Stonehenge looking structures and like Ooh. there's an entrance to a cave where one of the divers gets sucked it, pulled into, and it's got this kind of constructed built entrance yeah. to it. It's yes. like a natural cave entrance. And I was like, oh, okay, there's the little clues that... Uh, and I also realized on the second viewing that those little cre the humanoid creatures that we see yeah. at first are deep ones, is what they're referred to as. And deep ones are pretty much depicted in the stories the same as they are in the movie, where there are these smaller human-sized, human-shaped creatures that basically sort of tend to Cthulhu's temple, and they sort of protect him and tend to him because, of course as you may know or may not know, as viewers may know about Cthulhu sleeps at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean and eventually he will wake up and and destroy the planet. And oh, Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> but uh and so yeah, so sorry, not to like No, go but, on, I love this. <laughs> and, and I don't wanna and also just to quickly uh, I'm interested. <laughs> I, I was thinking too 
is this story connected? Like, is it just sort of like a abyss alien type of story, but they added Cthulhu? Or is this kind of actually based? Is there any kind of Cthulhu, uh, Lovecraft story that this actually sort of matches up to? And there is actually a Lovecraft story uh, called The Temple, I'm pretty sure. And I, I haven't read it recently, but it was a long time ago. But, uh, and it's a story about a, it takes place in the early part of World War II, and a German sub sinks a American warship. And the warship damages the sub before it gets sunk. And so the story is about this German sub that sinks to the bottom of the ocean. And the crew members and the captain, they start hearing knocking and voices coming from outside. And eventually, the uh, in the story, it's the captain, but he eventually puts on a diving suit and heads out into the, um, you know, walks out in, and sure. then comes across a temple. And there's a light inside the temple. And then the story basically ends with him walking into the temple. That's not, and so I think that's hmm. essentially what we've kind of got yeah. here in a basic. You know, this is sort of an updated, sort of modern version of that. <laughs> that's pretty neat, in a sense, vaguely. Mm-hmm. So it was more of a like they put an alien twist on Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes me look bad. Yeah, yeah. But technically, Cthulhu is an alien. He's a a physical creature, a kaiju. He's a cosmic entity. Yeah, yeah. That was some hardcore nerding. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, to, to, to bring it back, so obviously I mentioned, like, it does take quite a bit of cues from Alien. Uh, so in both cases, you have the crew who initially encounter the monster in kind of like its infant form. Uh, where you have, like, this fetal creature unlike anything that, like, the crew has witnessed before. Uh, you know, this this movie also has, like, the contrast of, like, the tight claustrophobic spaces up against, like, the agoraphobic vastness of the ocean. Uh, since a lot of it does take place at the very bottom of the ocean as they're trying to, like, you know, walk to the next, uh, like, port or whatever. Uh, and, you know, like, the monsters that we see underwater, you know, they're kind of, like, gelatinous, uh, they're pallid, they're very bony, and they have, like, this really, like, elongated body, uh, kind of like an oarfish, you know, they got, like, the clouded eyes, uh, they have needle-like teeth as well, mm-hmm. and, uh, we, we do eventually see, like, later on that they do kind of, like, cling on to, uh, the behemoth that we see in the background, which, you know, we don't get right. to see until, like, the flare gun uh, comes into play in the third act. Uh, so, you know, it's just, like, very early on, like, you, you obviously you know something bad is about to happen, and, you know, you start to see these creatures, and you don't really know, you know, what the big bad is at, when all is said and done. So you have, like, this apocalyptic event that could occur, because, like, there's, there's this unprecedented skill uh, in the third act, which, you know, of course you mentioned ends up being Cthulhu, uh, in this case, but one of the things that I really appreciate about this movie is just the fact that it wastes absolutely zero time to get into the yeah. action and to progress the story, uh, which we can't say all that often, just genre, 
in the genre alone, but like for this type of set in two, there there are quite a few movies out there that have like their lull periods uh, in like water based movies. This is not one of them. Like immediately, you know, shit's going down on the drill with the earthquake and, you know, you have, you know, the, the immediate panic. People getting waking up trying to just, you know, escape the drill site. Uh, but of course, there's only a limited amount of pods. So. You know, I, I always appreciate a movie that just gets right into it, and it, that, that's one of the reasons why it's such a standout. Like, yes, I did enjoy the third act of the movie, and just, just the fact that, like, that was not something that I had even thought about going into the movie, just based off of what we'd already seen from the trailers. Uh, so that definitely wore what the appetite, but, like, it was also just a thing of, like, man, I just wish I kind of expanded on that a bit more but like i think had i known it was that type of movie going in i don't know if i would have felt as uh as high praise about the movie after the fact so i like that they kind of kept that part of it hidden until the very tail end of the movie because you know so often nowadays so much of the movie is actually given away before it actually comes out and despite the fact that this was shelled for three years you know it's not like we had a bunch of like extra details about uh you know the plot or anything like that either mm. definitely no i agree uh it- in alien and in all the movies that are sort of influenced by it Event Horizon, Leviathan, you know, all the movies in this kind of genre. This is almost, this movie is almost, it has its own subgenre mm-hmm. of like the underwater facility, right? Which has the creature attack. And then, of course, its sister genre, the out, the same thing, but in outer space with Alien and Event Horizon and things like that. Um, but I, yeah, it, it's like, most movies would feel beholden to sort of do what Alien did, which is set up the characters in the beginning and all quiet and everything is normal and then everything goes haywire. Right, yeah. But yeah, they just say, you, I feel like they said, like, you know these movies, like, you know yeah, what this is. We're just going to start at the good stuff and just go from there, basically. I'm glad that they didn't, you know, there's that cliche that always happens in these in the subgenre of movies, which is, oh, well, there's always gonna be one really greedy or scared person who's gonna ruin it for the rest of them. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then you know, the the, the, yeah. the guy who yeah. you want to hate. Yeah. And uh they kind of stayed away from them and yeah, yeah, everybody was very serious and everybody was trying to help each other out. And, mm-hmm. and I thought that was very nice because you don't usually see that. I mean, that's also like a, an element of every like zombie survival movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it, it, now that I think it was like, oh, well, that was kind of nice that they didn't have to tack on any extra bells and whistles like, to like getting you to hate somebody. It, it felt like that. It felt like they were going to do that with the captain's character. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, he was part of the, the robot. Is that what it, was, what it was called? Yeah, the robot. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, you know, the, you, you get the sense that he, um, he knew what was happening. He, mm-hmm. he, he was holding back. But, uh, but there's, they still made him such a likable character, and all of them were such kind of sad characters. Because, uh, well, you know, you got a, a Kristen Stewart's character who has lost her fiance. Mm-hmm. Or died, or I don't know. Left. Okay. Broke I'm up. not even sure. Because she wears that like that. Uh, and then the the captain has lost his daughter, and so mm-hmm. everybody has a sort of like sad reason why they decided to leave society and just work mm-hmm. in the in the Mariana yeah. Trench. Mm-hmm. You know. It's funny you mention that because 
they they TJ Miller got canceled. He had to go work in the Mariners room. <laughs> but they do so. That's kind of the nice thing I like about some modern movies, where instead of setting everybody up in advance, they kind of do the thing where throughout the story you little, get little bits of yeah, it, and then kind of get it, which they did with the captain's character, where <laughs> at the end she finds the uh, memorial thing about his daughter because he was saying she's fourteen, and they're she like, "No, she can't be fourteen," and all of that. And they kind of put it in, sprinkle it in. Uh, instead of giving it to you all at the beginning, which was nice. Although the funny thing is I almost felt like you didn't even need it, that the movie yeah. is so well paced and done with the action and just trying to survive and get through the situation mm-hmm. that that stuff was almost kind of like, I don't even, yeah. I mean, not, it wasn't bad, but it was just like. Yeah, it's just kind of, it didn't really play into the overall story. And it was kind of like, I, it's here because it's they feel obligated to put it in. I think. Yeah, I get your point, but it was kind of nice. You know, it just gives you a little extra warm and fuzzy feeling. If I don't mm-hmm. mean a little bit, a little bit too many more character development. So yeah, some care more. yeah. Although if it happened before he died, I might have been a little bit. You know what I mean? Where yeah, where they reveal what happened with his daughter, but he was already dead. Yes, you're like, oh, and you're like, okay, oh, well, this kind of doesn't matter. <laughs> Like, I feel bad for saying it, but oh. it's like, okay. But yeah, no, uh, and yeah, I didn't, I, you know, you, I believe, have seen it more than twice, but I've seen it twice now, and I'm still not sure. I know she lost. They either broke up or they died, died or something. I'm pretty sure he died because, like, even later on, like, when she's saving Emily at when they're, like, fight, I wouldn't say fighting over one of the escape pods. Uh, I mean, Kristen Stewart's character already had her mind made up that she was going to be the one to stay behind in this case. But, you know, she made that comment about, like, you know, how she would give anything to just have, like, one more moment, like, with her husband. And that was the reason why she wanted Emily to take the pod. Yeah. After she decks her in the face because she wasn't going to listen otherwise. (laughs) That's that weird, like, Hollywood thing where, like, the person won't do it. So they, like, knock them out and Mm -hmm. they... And it was like, really? like weird, like why? That's so weird. Like, why did they even do that in this? Like, it doesn't. It's not something that they would do, and it's there because it's like a Hollywood. It's really awkward for sure. Oh. Yeah, and it didn't even knock her out. It's just like, it's like ow. <laughs> yeah, then she immediately apologizes after. <laughs> I know, and I swear, like, uh, not to jump ahead too far because we're talking about the end, but uh, and I was like. I was thinking, there's room for both of them in there. They can squeeze in there. that, too. I'm like... Yeah. And also, and I, the other thing it, it made me think was, and don't give me this BS about, like, you can only activate the escape pod from the control room. That's not how it and works. It's like, no, no, no. They, you're going to set up the escape pods so that you can activate it and then get in it and then escape. Like, it's not, someone has well, to stay behind. Somebody okay, has to stay behind. Okay, re- regardless of that, regardless of that, this is <laughs> this is one of those movies that you have to, like, put common sense aside because there are multiple yeah. elements of the story, like, I don't know, walking a mile at the bottom of the ocean in these pressurized yeah. suits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not... <laughs> I just want to say, I think we have to, I think we have to coin... I used this term before in a previous episode, but I think we have to coin the term Hodor, like Hodoring, because like every 
horror movie or these types of horror movies always have to have that Hodor scene of I'm going to stay behind and like keep the door shut yeah. while you escape. <laughs> That's and they made it necessary because if it hadn't been for her, then the, the creatures would have caught to the to the pods. And they would mm-hmm. Although she didn't know that, to your point. <laughs> and this movie is sort of a sci-fi movie. It takes place a little bit in the future, just like to point out. Because those suits are definitely very uh, science fiction-y mm-hmm. and look like Alien a lot. <laughs> one of the newspapers was, uh, I think, a, a date on one of the newspapers was 2050. Oh, but nice. First, uh, the first explore or the first issues on the robot, or the second final one. Mm-hmm. But either way, that wouldn't have been too much of a time difference because uh, the captain was on boat, mm-hmm. so at most like five, ten years. Mm-hmm. So in the twenty fifties, that's yeah, and because and they it was and yeah, she's still using a regular toothbrush. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had that. Uh, they had that kind of central meeting area like you have in oh, sure, yeah. Seoul. And it was funny because there's a like a jellyfish hanging in the above it, and for the first few moments during that scene, I thought that it was one of it was the holographic, the 3D holographic oh. display thing. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, oh, it's just like an actual jellyfish hanging. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a 3D holographic display. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, they. Uh, Definitely the walk as well, as you say, as you uh, mentioned, like that's sort of a trope. And that's the thing about this movie, kind of been saying is like, it's very straightforward, very basic and simple, but it's mm-hmm. just well made. Yeah. And so it ends up being a really good movie, even though it's super basic in terms of, and, and really like not doing anything original really mm-hmm. <laughs> right. i mean it's, it, it was super enjoyable but to your point like he knew absolutely everything that was going to happen before happening yeah so you and, know you have like the the natural disaster element with the earthquake uh you have part of the crew who's trying to make contact with people on the surface of course mm-hmm. unsuccessful at that uh, and, uh, you know, like, the, the captain's just like, all right, well, let's, uh, let's walk a mile across the ocean floor to the, uh, Roebuck 641, uh, in hopes that they could basically resurface from there. But, of course, you know, right out of the gate, things do not start on a good foot. You have a defective helmet, uh, being worn by Rodrigo, and we actually see him implode. Ooh, that was <laughs> uh, which was fantastic. And, you know, all that's happening as they're trying to descend down this freight elevator. Uh, of course, you know, we also have uh, this distress beacon that they find, uh, like, lower on the surface by one of the escape pods that uh, is down below. Uh, and, of course, you know, they, they go to investigate it. And, of course, that's where they find a body hidden amongst the rubble. And that's kind of like when we got our first look at the creature designs in this movie because you see the creature immersion from uh, the body's back. And, of course, you know, you have Smith and Paul who are getting attacked, and Smith ends up killing the creature uh, where, you know, they take it inside to examine it, and that's when they have, like, that whole conversation of, uh, you know, this is unlike anything we've seen before. Well, I killed it, 
so I get to name it, you know, and they argue back and forth about that. But I was just thinking, that was one of my favorite parts because the biologist this entire time has been like such a scaredy cat. You know, she's mm-hmm. so afraid of absolute. Well, I mean, that's she's not trained for any of this, right? And she doesn't know how he's, you know, at least you know, Kristen Stewart as the the yeah, the electrical engineer. Yeah. Or uh, she yeah. at least she's familiar she's with with the structure, engineer. right? She's an engineer. She's familiar with you know the mechanics of this and some that. Not the biologist. She's freaking the fuck out. But then as soon as they bring this ridiculously gross, scary-ass fucking monster into the fucking hatch, she, like, takes off her gloves and is touching it with her bare hands. I'm like, gross! What that is? It's just like, look at this. Look, look, look. And then, of course, it jumps. Yeah, a little bit. Which, she goes, <laughs> and that's the section, too, where I think a lot of people probably might just be like, oh, this is just an alien ripoff. Yeah. You know, the creature comes out of the dead body's chest and attacks, and then they bring it in and look at it. It's all very much like Uh that scene for that section of Alien. No kitty cat, though. Yeah, no cat. Yeah, they don't have a... a, a There's no cat. There's a a bunny. Oh, that's right. There is a bunny. Yeah. (laughs) But there's no... But they don't do the trope of the uh, false jump scare because... A, a pet jumps out like the cat, jumps uh, out, okay. which is kind of its own thing. But yeah, and the creatures are really good. I yes, like the creatures. They're on one hand, they really look like uh, like the deep ones, which Lovecraft never really drew or like depicted them visually. But there's kind of a standard look that a lot of people will sort of make them look like in artworks and. They definitely kind of went with an artwork that, while while original, you know, like, goes along with other artist depictions of of those creatures. And I love the way that they try to swallow you head first. Mm -hmm. They can open up their whole, kind of like those fish that open up their mouth really wide. Or like, almost like um, those sharks, those mega sharks that they don't eat meat, they just... uh, open up their mouths really hugely and pull it. It was basically uh, Deborah Logan (laughs) is what it was (laughs) in in recent episode terms. Definitely got the job done. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Trying to, exactly. Trying to um, swallow them the same way. Exactly. Uh, But yeah, they're all kind of gelatinous and and kind of weak though, which was nice. You could kind of squish you. You kill one at a time. You just squish your way out. She did. Was she had like a flare gun or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, there it is. Just to call out, uh, this is a modern horror movie, but they did have a bit of smut for the horror viewing audience. There is uh, Kristen Stewart running around with panties and basically bra, bikini kind of. Well, you can't squeeze clothes into the suits. So small and a size zero lady can't be wearing clothes in your fucking suit that's supposed to be like for everybody. And TJ Lavin had his disintegrating underwear. Like he was supposed to. All right, so I try to I try to think where we're at. So we just had the the creature examination. Uh, and then after that, you know, they make their way back to the seafloor, uh, and they have, uh, Kepler, who explodes above, uh, and, you know, nearly, like, buries them with debris, in this case. Uh, you have, 
Smith, who actually gets hit by debris, but ends up getting saved by the captain and Price. Uh, and, you know, they eventually go inside this access tunnel uh, to, like, the intermediate station uh, where they're able to change. They're able to, like, clean out their suits that they've been wearing. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, throughout all of this, we have one of the oxygen scrubbers that had been badly damaged by the debris that had fallen. Uh, so basically, like, they're going through here, and of course, you know, there's more, there's another creature attack that happens, uh, where you have Paul who gets dragged underwater, uh, and gets killed off. So, you know, it's like, one by one, these creatures are, like, picking them apart, and just, like, isolating, getting the kill, and then not really wasting too much time play playing with them or, or anything like that. I mean, you know, like, the thing with the, with the oxygen pods is just the fact that, like, well, if you keep using that, you're basically going to suffocate uh, from the explosions, uh, toxic fumes in this case. Uh, so uh, uh, there's, of course, like the, the trope uh, that we see in a lot of like war movies with like the no man left behind type of mentality. Uh, and, you know, the crew are like, all right, well, we're just going to drag Smith along during the walk uh, since he can't really yeah. do anything. Well, that's her love up. Right, mm -hmm. have they already got involved, or it seems like they're right. Like they sort of alluded to the fact that they, they have, have a romantic relationship. relationship. Mm -hmm. exactly. And then, of course, you know, it's so funny when you were saying about how like the movie doesn't do anything. You knew who was going to live and who was going to die. <laughs> I, got, uh, I I was surprised a couple of times, but ultimately, it's like, yeah, these guys are gonna for these two. So, well, I mean, it's not it's not like it's a big crew either. No, no. no. It's a big facility, and there's only a few people. I guess, well, it was implied a lot of people died that we didn't see. But yeah, it's a very small right. cast for such a huge facility. Uh, but, you know, that's okay. That's okay. Deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. You're like, I don't mind. Like, I mean, Alien was a giant ship with a crew of, like, five or That's eight, true. Or whatever mm -hmm. it was. Uh, but I mean, like, this is a drill expedition, drilling expedition, which means you do probably need quite a bit of people. Yeah, to for work sure. Out. But we did see some random dead people, remember? That's when true. They had to crawl through the yeah. um, section and they, they received people that were stuck under there. Under rubble. Mm -hmm. Definitely right. claustrophobic. No, that it's, I, the movie did such a good job. I was really impressed. And like you were saying about the pacing, and I, I hadn't noticed in the middle of it because it was, it was just so smooth, but I thought back, I'm like, you're absolutely right. I mean, there was there the, the story carries you along so well, which is really interesting because you got Kristen Stewart, whose her, her wheelhouse is this very like uh, stoic acting style, right? That she kind of that's that's mm -hmm. kind of her thing and works really well. She's really good at it. But that's so you've got stoic Kristen Stewart, you know, in this very action propelled. Those me serious. <laughs> Um, it was a very action packed movie, so I thought that was yeah. I thought that was pretty great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Did, uh, also see her in a new release because she's in Crimes of the Future, the new Cronenberg movie. Oh, that's for her. Yeah, yeah. She's good at that. She... Yeah, I mean, I I definitely enjoy that movie. Uh, we haven't actually talked about it on the podcast, obviously, because it, it it's a limited right. release right now. Um, but for the most part, like you kind of know what to expect because it's. Cronenberg and it's, you know, body horror. <laughs> Gonna get into this. Sorry, here we go. And then, uh, also I have to point out because it's like, I can't help but 
point out the fact, like how derivative this movie really is. It's like mm-hmm. it, when you do, it's just like gravity too, where you have, kind of have the initial disaster and then they have to travel to the other uh, station because the other station yeah. has the, the escape method that they need, which isn't on the main ship. And so they, they do that exact thing in this movie as well. But didn't gravity come out around, oh, gravity come out. I think it came out around the same time as film. Yeah, I think around was like two. Show came out a while ago. Okay. It was uh, 2013. Okay, 13. Okay, so yeah, slightly before, so that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, but, and, and not to like keep too much praise on this movie, but it almost kind of reminds me of like a movie like uh, Fury Road, Mad Max Fury Road, where you have this extremely basic story, but it's just mm-hmm. like, it's paced so well Journey, that you just yeah. like, it doesn't matter that it's so basic because you're never bored. You're really never bored. There's no, like you were saying, there's no uh, middle slow part where they all like sit around sort of. Well, maybe when she gets to that little shed station and like she finds, you know, uh, the captain's belongings and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, well, what's going on with that? Because remember, like, somebody was like, what about this place? Let's go here. And he was like, oh, that doesn't exist. But that was the stuff. So. Oh, that, I think he meant it got destroyed during. The- yeah, well, I mean, like, the that Shepherd Station was basically abandoned. Uh, I mean, Price was the only one there at the time. And, you know, she she was rummaging through the locker, and that's when she found, like, the old blueprints. Uh, and, like, on, on those blueprints of, like, the drilling site, you know, you, he had, like, the, the pentagram etched in that location uh, i'm assuming like that's where like he had seen uh you know the behemoth in, but in this situation say that there was nothing there and that they shouldn't bother going yeah i was just or lying to I... him <laughs> yeah that's what it can we talk wait about was it? there a, did you say there was a pentagram yeah it looked kind of like it yeah i didn't i didn't notice I it. it was what, a pentagram. Uh, it was, but I thought because you know there was the back of the locker had the map, uh-huh. and there was all these like you know lines on it. I didn't, I didn't actually identify it as a pentagram, but uh, yeah. oh, is it? I I totally missed it. Is it a pentagram, or is it maybe possibly that symbol that's associated with the Necronomicon? Oh, that's um, a good point. It, there's a symbol that looks like a pentagram, but it also has like extra stuff in it, and it's sort of a yeah. If you're looking. Um, there's a Necronomicon kind of famous symbol. I wonder if that's what it is. I, now I got to go back and now look. I kind of want to put it on right now. Yeah, we'll have we'll to double check. Um, <laughs> but you know, we we forgot to mention. You know, there was at one point where uh, Price is getting dragged along uh, by the captain, uh, and you know, you kind of like have that like sacrifice moment in that scene uh, because you know they're they're. It, they're surfacing very quickly and, uh, you know, because of the increased pressure differential, they're both at risk of dying in this particular moment because they're going to surface too quickly uh, with the pressure being too high. So, you know, the captain just like, you know, like, like, let go. And she's like, I, I can't in this case. And then eventually we see him just kind of like fall into the depths below. That was like such a great scene, too, and very impactful and just like. Well, Paul Kirsten Stewart's just like, yeah, I just, like, can't do it. Like, I gotta, I gotta save you, you know, no man left behind, you know, because they had that mentality all the way through, so. 
And he, I really like that actor, the French actor. Yeah, he's great. Um, yeah, I forget. But he is, he's in uh, probably his biggest role is probably, at least that we would know, is Black Swan with... Oh, yeah, he's a director, yeah. Where he, yeah. But he's in one of my favorite sort of... It's not like a guilty pleasure movie, but it's one of the, another movie that's like better than it should be. But he's in Brotherhood of the Wolf, mm-hmm. which is right, a really great, weird, just standalone. I'm pretty sure it's on Shudder right now. Yeah, yeah. It's just a fun movie where you think there should be more of them, but it's just one. And you're like, how are you just by yourself? <laughs> Why aren't you a, a trilogy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. How come there's not more? Well, not to like go on a sidetrack too much, but uh, that director who made Brotherhood of the Wolf was supposed to make another movie that would have taken place in San Francisco during the 1800s. And it would have been like the whole kind of big trouble in Little China, like uh, Chinese uh, people in San Francisco and like uh, magic and uh, that's sort of... Sort of Brotherhood of the Wolf, but in San Francisco. But it never got made. He uh, wanted to make it, but never was able to. Right on my, my I know. <laughs> <laughs> but that movie. <laughs> Which, speaking of directors, I never looked. I should have looked, but I didn't look at who directed this movie or what else they've done. But I, I mean, they're, re- they're really good, uh, you know, and not to like, knock the writer the writing definitely works too but i feel like it's the directing and editing which are the real kind of stars here maybe because of the pacing and the way it's shot and the cinematography yeah i mean i it's it's so it's so funny like when you got a when you when you got a good editor you can sort of forget that you're that there's editing but when you got a bad editor that's all you can think about Mm -hmm. when you're checking your watch, you know, at certain points in the movie, or like, like left. or changes are like jarring. You're like, what just happened? Like, how do we get to this scene now? And also, I have to give them credit for keeping the movie about an hour and a half and not extending it to like two hours. Oh my or God. Like, I just watched Batman. That was a really fucking long movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was good, but it was like, uh. and that's the right. with the pacing. You know, it's like not extending it too much, not inserting too much. That goes our entire fucking evening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Three hour movie. Right. Let's not get into other movies that we yeah. So, so all, all the meanwhile, you know, the, the destination that everyone is heading towards is the Roebuck. Uh, you have Price, who's basically alone at this point, uh, you know, walking across the ocean floor. She does eventually reunite uh, with Emily and Smith, uh, who, you know, is still getting, like, dragged along <laughs> on the floor. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, eventually, like, they're right outside the Roebuck, and that's when they encounter, like, the, the nests of the humanoid creatures that are, you know, dangling from, uh, you know, above. And, you know, they, they have that moment of, like, trying to, like, sneak by, but Emily's oxygen alarm starts blaring off. And, you know, Smith, Smith the, the poor guy, is just, like, completely out of it. And, you know, he just makes a comment about it. Like, oh, that can't be good. And sure <laughs> enough, all like the all of these creatures who were sleeping start to wake up because, of course, they are. But I just, I, I love that shot because you see, like, the red light strobe kind of, like, effect. You know, you see the destination. It doesn't look that far away. You just see, like, all the tentacles, like, draped down. And you're just like, yeah, yeah. oh, man, can't really rush into this one. 
So like the whole time, it's just super tense because, you know, they have to like maneuver to the point of, uh, you know, just getting across like this bridgeway. And as soon as that alarm goes off, you're like, oh, fuck. (laughs) I like that shot uh, where she's moving through all the sleeping creatures and one of their claws kind of slides across the the front of her helmet, (laughs) which is really cool. And yeah, they're all kind of sleeping and waiting to wake up. And then, of course, that leads to the very badass moment of the film, which... Which, yeah, the big culmination. So satisfying. (laughs) (laughs) Like scratching an itch. You're like, yes! (laughs) I know. I I was so glad, you know, going back to the first viewing, I didn't know anything. I was like, you know, this is a cool... Like, before that happened, I was like, this is cool. Like, it's a good movie. But it's kind of a standard, like, yeah. there's little monsters out there that are attacking us and everything. And then when they finally went with the big kaiju monster and it's Cthulhu, then it was like, oh, okay, this that is awesome. That was so awesome. cool. That was very weird. <laughs> it and, like the, and then they all, uh, you know, and all of the, the art related to H.P. Lovecraft and Cthulhu, it's always mm-hmm. the, uh, the enormity of the monster mm-hmm. compared to the very tiny, yeah. tininess of, of the, the human. And uh, and they and they definitely work that angle, and it's I don't know that's that also scratches. Yeah, I think they had that shot right where you There's see like, like the tiny little. There's like it her? it's I think well one from there. I don't know what you call it, but it was that exterior mm-hmm. place with it's almost like a not a tunnel but like a railway. Yeah, yeah. And you, he's in where the part where he's kind of yeah. initially coming out of. Yeah, that was cool. yeah, yeah. And that was the part where I was like, is that Cthulhu or they that's just sort of stealing the design a little bit. And then I was like, no, that's definitely meant to be Cthulhu for sure. But that's, even though they never say it at any point, uh, yeah. it's like, it's definitely meant to be. Yeah. And that was, yeah. And, and just coming to, that was very exciting too when you kind of, it dawns on you that it's yeah. Cthulhu. And, that, and the realization being that they have what they've done, and they don't say this uh, outright, but they've what they've finished. actually done yeah. is drilled into the, the temple of, it's called Relay. It's pronounced different ways because it's spelled in a strange way, but the city of Relay and Cthulhu's temple, that essentially they've accidentally drilled into his temple and woken him up. Good job, guys. Which is great, because it's like... <laughs> They, which they, is a good thing. They, yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's only going to spawn the apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I have to point out something that this just reminded me of is that the the biologist character mm-hmm. she has a scene where she says, "Like Mother Nature is fighting back. Yeah, like so we're, we're not supposed to be here when we push things." Okay, so in movies, usually when a character does that, what they're saying is correct. Mm-hmm. Like, they're actually, like, telling... the That's, like, the writer telling yeah. you what this is supposed to be. But the funny thing is, is she's actually wrong. Like, they didn't... Like, I mean, you can sort of interpret it that way, but literally, they just accidentally drilled into Cthulhu's house and woke up Cthulhu, and now Cthulhu's going to rampage across the planet. Like it's really not Mother Nature. This isn't a um, in, this isn't an environmental story gotcha. where 
because this could have been just a story where it's environmental, where right. they literally did accidentally cause an like piranha three D. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it's like, well, no, this isn't really Mother Nature. This is Cthulhu. This is this yeah. is an actual totally give a cosmic <laughs> being. Yeah. Yeah. He sucks. This wasn't so, like you. He's totally on him. Yeah, yeah. This isn't like because you were uh, drilling for oil where you. Yeah, you know, Cthulhu's killing yeah. you because of Cthulhu. Yeah, he's just mad <laughs> that you woke him up, that you accidentally dropped a drilling station yeah. into his house. But I do love the ending about how, um, which is funny when you when you bring it up like that, where it's not this environmental uh, uh, sort of a wrongdoing <laughs> that uh, you know aspect of the movie, where it's just like this gigantic, horrible monster god. <laughs> And then versus this greedy corporation that's just going to keep coming and coming and coming until there's not a red cent to be made. And so that's that that, have, that was kind of not a cool feeling, but like a monster versus monster kind of mm-hmm. kind of feel to it at the end where you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then I, 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 I thought, please, like this will never happen. But why can't please let this movie? There's no reason at all why this movie cannot be part of the same universe as the King Kong and the Godzilla movies. It's literally like the same concept. Mm -hmm. And so can't we get like a movie with Kaiju uh, Cthulhu fighting Godzilla and God and King Kong. uh, You're going to die right away. There's so much of that whole universe. (laughs) And, And not only that, but the end credits of the movie have that kind of news thing, like mm-hmm. the opening credits of the King Kong and Godzilla movies. You know how they've been doing that with the Monarch organization and everything with those movies? It's like... Wait, you're going to have to remind me. Can King Godzilla swim? Yes. I, so he can, yes. They show him on the boat in the latest like, one. When you're like, why can't Cthulhu fight Godzilla and, and, and uh, King Kong? I'm like, well, because a fish can't marry a bird, John. <laughs> <laughs> Cthulhu's got legs. He can walk on land and come out to this. So is this something my mom used to say to me sometimes? It's Spanish. All right, in Spanish, and uh, she was like, "Yeah, fish can't fall in love with a bird." I'm like, "Well, they could live on the beach." The same as like a fish can fall in love with a bird, but where we but where would they live? But then my my answer would be like, "On the beach." (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they can fight on the beach. Guillermo del Toro movie where the fish man falls in love with the woman. There you go. Yeah, the shape of water. <laughs> and she went into the water. That's considered a horror movie? Is that right? I know. That yeah. was, I know, that was part of the whole water when I was kind of looking around at water horror movies. They were including that. It's like, that's not a horror movie. Mm-hmm. That's a, a romantic thriller. I mean, there's a monster in it, but it's not a horror movie. But it turns out it's man. Yeah. <laughs> oh damn, what a twist. Sorry, that's just my favorite joke from uh, Futurama. <laughs> it was a, like uh, I can't remember if they were like it was a, a, a spoof of like Twilight Zone and at the very end, like the real monster, some guy walks up. Turns out it's man. <laughs> and the real treasure was the friends we came along the way. Exactly. Yeah, that's the other one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> The deep boys we met along the way. <laughs> oh, those guys were so scary. I like how they had the, the, 
the CGI display of all the deep ones swimming oh, yes. towards the thing. 60 like, meters till contact. It's like really, like, that felt, like, just to give a little criticism, that part was very, like, we need, like, they must have felt like they needed to show the, the audience. Because you kind of just see the the sphere, the escape sphere just yeah. kind of take off and disappear. And it's like, okay, you know, they're gone. They're, they're gone. The they're funny thing is, is, when it initially took off, you see like a couple of the creatures start to swim after it, and I was thinking, oh, that thing is moving so fast, and, and they got it. such a late start, they'll never catch it. And then you see that graphic, and it's like, oh, they are going to catch it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, they put that there so that we can feel like they're still in danger, but we know they're going to escape. <laughs> they're going to get it. And uh, the ending was very satisfying too. Like I. I really appreciated the, the the note that it ended on. So Kristen Stewart is, you know, she has that like inner monologue, right? That's going around, and, or she that's been around in the movie, and she says like, a, you know, I can't remember the exact words, but she says something along the lines of like, they're, uh, you start feeling the fear and this and this and that, but then you got to realize they're just feelings, and sometimes you just got to do. Yeah. And so she kind of turns off that part of her mind that's telling her to, like to freak out about the fact that she's about to die. And then she like kind of you know sets up the ending to uh, overload the forget the science and explode. <laughs> it's a nuclear core <laughs> overload, yeah. Thank you. So the energy she's got nowhere to go. She's gonna overload the yeah. Di- the and, of and then as like you know death is you know closing in on her as things are blowing up, she has this like very calm happiness to her face. You know she's got that little smile like. Like it's like like she's going out in a big bang, and it's like mm-hmm. how many people get to end their life in such a dramatic, you know, over the top way. And it was I don't know, it, I got goosebumps. I liked it. Every liked every it. time I get to that speech, though, the only thing I can think of is Optimus Prime. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know, in this case, uh, she actually dies. But uh, you know. Uh, but Sometimes you just gotta light it up, you know. It gave you that. It gave you that little bit of a feeling of like sharing in the character's courage, mm-hmm. and that was mm-hmm. nice. That was yeah. really nice. But you know, it was like as as we were saying, it's like I feel like I could have. She could have fit in that escape pod with. It's the, it's it's the Titanic door all over again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's exactly. enough room for everyone. <laughs> she didn't have to sacrifice. She could have gone. <laughs> Although, in fairness, I mean, in fairness, I was like, I was thinking that explosion's not going to kill Cthulhu. No, but it won't because <laughs> it's even in the stories, Cthulhu just regenerates. Yeah, he's not going to, he's too powerful to be taken out that easily. And, you know, he's going to probably rampage. Cthulhu's going to Cthulhu. It almost reminded me of the very end of Cabin in the Woods, you know, mm-hmm. where they finally waken the elder god oh and yeah it, 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 it's sort of that last moment of it coming out and getting ready to smash it's a gory weaver by the way mm-hmm. yep, yep. which uh some <laughs> um, why can't i be sigourney those suits were very alien with the lights on the yeah. yes mm-hmm. it was very yeah but i mean like i think uh, uh i think it was they very clearly leaned into it mm-hmm. and just kind of unabashedly like, you know what? Alien rock. You're going to, th- you'll thank me later. <laughs> and, and really it ultimately is different than alien because aliens are much slower paced, mm-hmm. more tensiony. 
haunted house type of movie where this is more action survival kind of feel to it, you know, mm-hmm. a bit more of an right. action adventure movie. Than, uh, You're right. Alien. And there was like this sort of sense of like hand-to-hand combat mm-hmm. in uh, an alien that, yeah. of course, I mean, you, know, you get it in this one too because but of the, very, the deep but... ones, but really the, the big reveal, mm-hmm. like that insurmountable uh, uh, challenge when you face our dear Lord Cthulhu. Yeah. And of course we have to, and you know, just to, as usual, not to keep all the praise on this movie, but of course, very tropey ending too. Like, yes, I'm gonna, everything. We're gonna, it made me think of Star Trek because in Star Trek, they always overload the dilithium crystals <laughs> and blow up the ship. And it's like, you know, we're going to overload the reactor core and uh, blow everything up. Like, and then it's like, Start the count, and of course, Alien ends with the same uh, type of thing. You know, start the count. Start. Yeah. I, I forget where I. This isn't my own idea. I think I read this somewhere, but it's like, why are all these places built with self-destruct devices? Like nobody, you like when you we have oil rigs like out in the ocean. There's no self-destruct it device built, or like the, the <laughs> shuttle. What are we doing here? Like. The International Space Station doesn't have a self-destruct yeah. sequence or, you know, something like that. It's like, oh my God, I'm having a really nice time, guys. <laughs> no, you're absolutely you're like, why, why are you able to do this? Why is that so easy to just blow up the whole thing? You know what? I would, I would agree with you, but why do cars go up to like 200 miles an hour sometimes? They're really nice ones, you know? Like, is the, is the manufacturer really expecting you're going to go that fast? And, Drive off the road. <laughs> but yeah. So, yeah. But no, you're right. <laughs> but I, I appreciated that, though, too, because I feel like these movies and Hollywood in general, they, I feel like what this movie would have normally done is sort of have Cthulhu-esque elements, yeah. but then not really lean into it. Like, just sort of be like, oh, maybe you can sort of interpret this as Cthulhu-y, but not really. So, I mean, it, it would be kind of fair to maybe start a, a, a little side conversation about the other H.P. Lovecraft movies that kind of came out. So, The Color of Space. The color, yeah, Out of Space. Yes. With um, uh, Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage, which is actually pretty good. It's really good. Um, but, I mean, that, you know, there, I feel like there's, like, the... I'm trying to connect the dots in terms of the timelines because that that came out that came out fairly recently, like three years ago. Mm, maybe what? a little longer than that. I think maybe a little longer. Five, than that? six. Five, years, six. Maybe? Okay, so then, but definitely after this one, I'm just trying to see if like the grouping works in my brain of the, mm-hmm. like the movies that are coming out that are paying the homage. Yeah. To Lovecraft. Lovecraft is always and the intentionality uh, behind them. Even though there's not a lot of Lovecraft stuff out there in terms of movies. I mean, there is, but there isn't. But it's also one of those things where he's in the public domain, so you can freely use his stuff in your stories. So. But yeah, I was impressed that they kind of leaned into it. And, and even though they never say Cthulhu, they right. do make it clear that they it is. And if you're familiar with his stories, like I say, like you can see that those are deep ones. I that either. I mean, uh, I was... When I was researching the movie a little bit after watching it, it's, it's straight up everybody was like, it's this. And you know, mm-hmm. 
So uh, I'm, I've never like read any Lovecraft. I've been aware, I've been watching movies. And, and then of course, like, you know, there's a lot of adaptations mm-hmm. in general, not just in movies, but <clears throat> uh, it, you know, it had to be spelled out for me for sure. Yeah, it is a bit hidden where if you're not, like you say, if you're not familiar with Lovecraft, then you could, like, not realize mm-hmm. what it is. But at the same time, I think you probably figured it out for yourself at the end. Well, at the end, when the, when the creature comes out, you're like, that's Cthulhu, all right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they show his face, like, I know, it's like times oh. where it's, like, the full-on <laughs> technical face. Yeah, I, I know our Dark Lord and Savior when I see him. Yeah. That's definitely Cthulhu. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, I know I know enough to know that, mm-hmm. but I never actually I've never actually read the text. And some of other reviewers, like Foundflix, uh, actually did a review on this, and uh, and the dude actually read a passage, which was actually very popular with some other reviews of reading this passage of a, a particular story, which I can't remember the name of now, but uh, which kind of ties in exactly with the movie. So it wasn't. Is it the one about us? strange eons even death may die that it's way. the one about how uh the passage about how uh, basically Fear, yeah. how science is uh hasn't hindered us till this point but there will come a time where um, these terrifying mysteries of the world become known and yeah and and we'll, we'll we'll run back to the dark ages that's because that's the only thing that we can you know make ourselves feel safe with yeah that's the opening of call of cthulhu yeah, that's what I did. That's Which what is read. basically about how we sort of live in a sort of ignorant, w- merciful ignorance oh. of like the real vastness of the universe. It's that shit. We basically, science will sort of put us in a position where we're going to basically yeah. destroy ourselves because our, our, psycho- our, our, our psyches. <laughs> yeah, we're going to sort of make ourselves realize things that we shouldn't be thinking about or but we can't help ourselves yeah. yep we're too greedy and I, I think that's the same one too that where it has that fa- his famous quote about fear of the unknown that like the biggest fear of mankind or something like that is fear of the unknown mm. quote that you see a lot like that's yeah the fear of the unknown but yeah call of cthulhu it is a little bit like call of cthulhu too, now i gotta read it that's a story, I mean, not exactly, but in a very basic sense, that's a story where some sailors travel to an island and then they realize that, you know, this is Cthulhu's temple and it rises and he comes out. They all. Natural bodies of water. And yeah. They fucked with. Yeah. Uh, Lovecraft had a fear of sea creatures. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> kind of an asshole, too. Yeah. No. <laughs> Definitely, that's a whole other. That's a whole other. <laughs> the best thing, though, the, the best Lovecraft fear and creature that he creature that he uses in one of his stories is his fear of penguins. What? He, he thinks he obviously thinks penguins are weird, creepy creatures because Maybe they're adorable. <laughs> Although I heard they're not nice to pet because they're like slick, like oily. But they he uses them as creatures in. Uh, at the Mountains of Madness. At the Mountain of Madness. <laughs> Which, uh... Video cut out. Oh, oh there we go. Sorry. Go. That was Sorry. Funny. But, yeah. <laughs> Which is another Lovecraft story that, uh, The Thing is in. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Well, this was so fun. <laughs> and I, I You learned did. so much about Lovecraft today. I know. Yeah, no, I when I was like 13 or so, uh, someone said, oh, there's this writer, H.P. Lovecraft, that you have to read. And so I started reading them and read all the stories. I like that's like the very perfect writer for like an emo-ish. Not that you were... So basically what John is saying is he was going through a phase at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's in. Definitely young to just like... (laughs) To get into love stuff, yeah, <laughs> and that was close to the time because when uh, Reanimator mm-hmm. came out in the theaters, and I—that's I, one of my all-time favorite movies. I love that movie. Uh, another can great love. Can we create uh, a fear month that <laughs> so that we can watch Reanimator? Fear? How about like Fear of Doctors or Surgery yeah. or something like that? Mad scientist. Fear of science. Fear of science. Fear yeah, of science. I'm, sh- I'm sure there's something like that. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. <laughs> All right. Well, look at again. He was in The Frankners and he was in uh, Castle Freak and Jeffrey Combs. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. I like him. Genre actor. He's wonderful. Definitely. Absolutely. So looking ahead next week, uh, we're doing Creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, that would be the 1954 version uh, directed by Jack Arnold. And man, it has been a long time. <laughs> never seen it. Yeah, I've never seen it. I'm super excited. Well, um, I'm sorry, T, I didn't mean to cut you off. Did you get something else to say? Oh. Okay. I was just going to say that, you know, I, um, you know, uh, stylistically, uh, it's so famous, right? And it influences so many different genres of, um, I don't even know what it, like, subcultures. It influences so many subcultures. Uh, I mean, like, you know, for people that are really into, like, tiki subculture, that's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And so I, it just dawned on me, you know, I, I feel like I know the story, but I've never seen it. And, John, we were actually talking about it right before recording, and you were saying how it's one of the few uh, Hammer. Or uh, Universal. Universal uh, uh, monsters that didn't get, like, whole series that there's just the one movie there's no uh uh creature from the black lagoon two or or three unlike frankenstein and dracula and the wolfman and Mm -hmm. uh, even the mummy got multiple they all got a bunch of movies but for some reason uh, creature from the black lagoon which is iconic uh only got the one and i i like and i can guess the story because of course it's uh I'm, I'm guessing I can guess the story. I'm guessing there's, you know, a, a couple, maybe one of them's a scientist. Maybe there's like <laughs> research going on near a lagoon. Or he, just <laughs> out. he gets killed. Uh, creature comes out, sequesters the woman, maybe takes her to a special lair. And then later, like, <laughs> she has to run away. I haven't seen it. This is me guessing the movie. And then people have to come and like rescue her and they kill him. And is he a nice guy like Frankenstein? I don't know. Maybe he's just straightforward, scary the entire time. Who knows? There's a little bit of, uh, we talked about this too, uh, which of course we'll get into when we watch the movie, but the terms uh, monster boyfriend. Oh, uh, yeah, no, there's some. Bodice, which I can define a little later. Oh, yeah, no, uh, we were talking a little bit before where there's kind of this thing, uh, and there's a YouTube channel, Lindsay Ellis, she has a video called My Monster Boyfriend, I think. 
but it's a whole kind of essay about horror movies where you have this kind of thing of the sort of like the um, Guillermo del Toro movie we we're talking about water where you have the, like, the monster and the woman and the woman is maybe a little into the monster mm-hmm. like maybe it's not so terrible and then in and in romance novels the term bodice ripping which is uh, taboo uh, but it's it's basically a rape fantasy so it's uh th- those are like kind of difficult topics but they're there's they're, they're things that people think about you know so i uh, feel like i painted myself into a corner <laughs> <laughs> all right well rather than uh diving yeah. into more details there let's uh let's wrap up the show and we'll talk about that more next week and we'll see how right you are about uh what you assume is the plot uh so anyways if you guys are looking to contact the show the best way to do so is to find all of our video content on our youtube and that would be at handle with scare pod uh, to keep up to date with everything going on here, you can also find us on Twitter at Handle with Scare. Uh, and of course, you can email the show and contact us there at Handle with Scare pod at gmail.com. Uh, now, that being said, you've been listening to Handle with Scare. This has been episode number 63. We'll be back next Wednesday talking about the creature from the Black Lagoon. I've been your host, Tony Drunk, joined as always by my co-hosts, Holly Hooch and John. And we'll see you guys back in a week. Y'all take care.